0: Welcome to the third installment of Baker McKenzie's Asia Pacific Risk and Crisis Management podcast series Managing Business Compliance Issues in the New Normal. In this series of podcasts, we will be exploring the challenges and risks encountered by businesses amid the constantly changing legal and regulatory landscape. Our Baker McKenzie team of speakers will share their insights around the various legal and compliance issues which will be illustrated through a factual scenario. My name is Yoshia Muto, a partner in Baker McKenzie, and I am based in Tokyo. I am joined by today by my fellow partner Celeste Ang, who is based in Singapore, and who you may have heard in our first session on communications and interactions with the financial institutions. As you are listening to this podcast, hopefully you have al- al- also listened to the first and second sessions in the series. So I will not repeat all of the facts from the hypothetical scenario, but the uh, key points are as a result of a fraudulent email and people within the company acting on that email, including someone who is working remotely, a $5 million US payment that was due to pay for a supplier has instead been sent to the fraudsters bank account. In the first episode, we considered what initial steps should be taken in relation to the limiting bank and the receiving bank in an attempt to stop the payment. Also, we discussed how best to address the concerns relevant from the perspectives of financial institutions. Further, we studied variations in approach considering the civil law and common law jurisdictions. In the second episode, our fellow partner looked at the options for recovery of the money from the fraudsters or through insurance. And in this third episode, we will be sharing our thoughts around communications with the authorities, if and when businesses are unfortunately involved in and stolen money by cyber fraudsters. The key question is, whether you are legally obliged to report the incident to any government authority, and if so, such reports shall be made with which authority of which country in case of multi-jurisdictional fraud. Another question is, whether, even if not legally required, is it advisable or recommendable for you to make such a report to the authority as a matter of practice, or whether it's It is not legally required and not practically recommended at all. Now, we will look into the first question.
1: If you become aware of any crime, is there a legal obligation for you to report such crime, especially economic crimes such as wire, online fraud, to police or other local criminal regulatory authority in your jurisdiction? If so, is that obligation imposed on anyone? only certain qualified persons or entities, such as financial institutions and certified
0: professionals. Let me first give you an overview concerning the civil law jurisdictions in the Asia-Pacific region, which include Indonesia, Japan, Philippines, and Taiwan. In Indonesia, Article 108 of the Indonesian Criminal Procedure Law stipulates that any person who is aware of a conspiracy to commit a criminal offense relating to public security or human life, or property ownership, is obliged to report such criminal offence to the police officer or investigator immediately. However, a criminal sanction is imposed only on a person who failed to report a criminal offence relating to the public security, and in practice, it is rare to see that this provision is enforced. Separately, there is a reporting obligation for financial institutions on criminal offenses relating to money laundering. But we will discuss about reporting obligations under the anti-money laundering regimes across the region at the end of this episode. In the Philippines, the Philippines' revised Penal Code does not generally provide for any legal obligation to report crimes. Including crimes involving falsification or fraud. But there are special laws which provide for a crime reporting requirement. With respect to financial related crimes such as fraud, the Anti Money Laundering Act requires certain covered institutions, such as banks, trust entities, insurance companies, and security dealers, to report to the Anti Money Laundering Council concerning suspicious transactions within five working days from the occurrence. As mentioned, we will discuss more details about anti-money laundering reporting obligations at the end of this session. In Taiwan, there are two laws imposing reporting obligations. One is the Money Laundering Control Act of Taiwan and we will cover it at the end of this session. The other one is the Code of Criminal Procedure of Taiwan, which provides that government officials shall report any conduct involving any kind of crimes in the course of carrying out his or her duty. Therefore, if the government official is in her or his or her private life, there is no reporting obligation on a crime. Except for those requirements, there is no general requirement for a citizen or business to report crimes in Taiwan. In Japan, the landscape is almost the same with the other civil law jurisdictions in the region. There is no general or catch-all crime reporting obligation imposed on everyone. Government officials are required to report any crime to the investigative authorities such as police or prosecutor, and also Financial institutions and certain licensed professionals such as CPAs and tax accountants are obliged to report to the financial supervisory agency concerning questionable transactions involving money laundering. Any other persons or businesses are not legally required to report on any crime including cyber fraud. can you briefly describe the overview of common law jurisdictions as to whether businesses are legally obliged to make a report to government authority if and when they are hit by cyber fraud?
2: Thanks, Thanks, Yoshi. So the position in the common law jurisdiction would vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. So in Australia, for example, there is no single law which creates a legal obligation to report. But there is some obligation in relation to reporting specific matters and in New South Wales, uh, it is an offence if an adult knows or believes that a serious, inductable offence has been committed by another person and knows or believes that he or she has information that might be of material assistance in securing the apprehension of the offender or the prosecution or conviction of the offender for their offence and fails without reasonable excuse to bring that information to the attention of a member of the New South Wales Police Force or other appropriate authority. Whilst this offence applies to everyone, there are restrictions on bringing prosecutions if the information was obtained in the course of a profession, such as a doctor or a lawyer. In Hong Kong, um, there is no obligation to report any crime as such, except for AML legislation, if anyone has noticed or reasonable belief that such a crime has been committed. In Singapore, there is an obligation to report if a person is aware of the commission of or the intention to commit certain prescribed serious crimes and offences, but not including fraud. So like Hong Kong, there are also mandatory reporting obligations under the Singapore anti-money laundering legislation, which we can cover later.
0: Thank you Celeste for providing the general overview concerning common law jurisdictions. Having gone through both civil and common law countries, it is now clear that the rules of laws are different country by country, but we can generally say that you will not be legally required to report to the government authority even if you are subject to cyber fraud and stole money for fraudsters. Unless You are the government official or agency and made a payment in the course of your official duty, or you are financial institutions or certain licensed professionals who process or supported the transaction in the course of your professional duty, or otherwise you are required so under the special legislation in the country. Still, we need to consider whether it is a good idea or advisable to make a report to the authority as a matter of practical advantage and benefit. So let's move on to the next question.
1: Whether legally obliged or not, is there any legal upside or practical benefit for reporting a crime to the local authority other than the obvious benefit that the police or regulatory authority may launch investigation and discover the legal security who is involved and where the money is used so as to give us some help and who to chase and recover the stolen money?
0: Let me go through the civil law jurisdictions first. In Indonesia, there seems to be not much particular benefit. However, the reporting party may ask for certain protection under Witness and Victim Protection Law of Indonesia, so long as certain requirements are fulfilled. The protection is provided by an independent government agency for the purpose of providing safety to witnesses presenting their testimony in court proceedings. This could be important if the incident is suspected to be linked to anti-social organization, especially. In the Philippines, the Philippines' Penal Law does not provide for any incentive for the reporting of crimes. There are, however, there are some practical advantage in doing so. Uh, For instance, an accused may be discharged from criminal penalty as a state witness if she or he reports a crime to the authority voluntarily, provided that certain requisites are complied with. When the fraud is initiated by an external fraudster, but aided by someone inside your organization, such insider aid as criminal liability would be discharged if she or he reports the crime to the authority and acts as a witness for investigation and prosecution. This could be an incentive for uh, purporting the uh, internal investigation. Similarly, there are laws which safe harbor provisions, such as anti-money laundering law, which stops administrative, criminal, or civil proceedings against any person for having made a report in the regular performance of his or her duties and in good faith. If you are not just a victim of the cyber fraud, but rather your high-ranking employee or officer is suspected to have assisted in the fraud from inside, your business could be accused for breach of anti-money laundering law, but you may be able to avoid the sanction by reporting the incident to the authority voluntarily. In Japan, There is a statutory law to provide for prayer bargaining, under which prosecutors are obliged to exempt or reduce criminal sanctions for a non-leading suspect, such as aiding and abetting member of the scheme, if he or she voluntarily reports the authority and cooperates for investigation and prosecution. This means that if the fraud is initiated by an external fraudster, but aided by someone inside your organization, you can use the player bargaining as a tool to induce the inside aider to cooperate for investigation so as to obtain information to clarify the scheme and chase the stolen money. Celeste, how about the situation in the common law countries?
2: For the common law jurisdictions, the main considerations revolve around whether reporting may be required as a prerequisite to make certain claims and if there is a general expectation or a mandatory reporting obligation to regulators, particularly in situations where the companies are in a regulated industry, say financial services. As an example, in Australia, in some circumstances, victims of crime who have reported a crime may be able to claim compensation through a statutory scheme. In Hong Kong, regulators and courts usually have an expectation on the victim, whether a corporation or an individual, to report the crime to the police if there is, for example, a civil claim for the loss and damage suffered. For cyber crimes such as cyber fraud, it is important and advisable to report as soon as possible to the Hong Kong police specifically the Joint Force Intelligence Unit, a division of the Hong Kong Police which which works closely with the Interpol on Cybercrime Investigations. For financial institutions generally, the various regulators have expectations that crimes be reported to the relevant authorities, for example, crimes related to employees' conduct. And insofar as any licensed individuals are involved, there may also be other regulatory reports to be filed. Failure to report would result in criticisms and even an investigation into the bank's conduct. It is therefore important in each case to determine first, what the legislative and regulatory landscape is, and second, what the authorities or regulators may expect before launching a report.
0: thank you celeste for summarizing the practical advantage and benefit for voluntarily reporting the issue to government authorities finally let's think about whether there is any downside or negative impact if you are reporting the incident to the authorities
1: whether you be obliged or not is there any legal downside or practical risk for reporting a crime to the local authority
0: Uh, Generally, there seems to be no clear and definitive downside for reporting the crime to the authority. But there are a few common areas of practical backslashes and risks that require attention and care. First, the reporting party should be cautious if the report is to identify certain person as a suspect of the crime while such accusation is not substantiated by evidence. The identified party may file a counteraction arguing defamation and or false reporting. Second, in some jurisdictions, depending on the nature of the crime and extent of the involvement of the person reporting, he or she may be required to cooperate for the investigation and prosecution. For instance, the level of required or expected cooperation is sometimes overwhelming in Japan, because the Japanese police does not always have enough expertise and resources to investigate financial crimes, especially cyber fraud, and often rely on the reporting party's own internal investigation for building the case. It can be a significantly cost- and time-consuming exercise. Third, in some jurisdictions, the reporting party may be even required to testify in open court disclosing his or her identity and exposed to counter-arguments, public scrutiny, and media coverage. There are also jurisdictions where police does not adhere to the duty of confidentiality and rather willing to disclose or leak information about the reported crime to news media. Fourth, in some jurisdictions, Bribery, graft, and corruption are still principal issues in the society and may be linked to various crimes, including cyber fraud. And as a result, a person reporting to the occurrence of a crime risks being entangled with such social and political issues unexpectedly. And finally, in the jurisdiction where attorney-client privilege exists. Reporting a crime to local authority may jeopardize the privilege by waiving confidentiality of the information reported to the authority. Uh, Celeste, can you talk about the issues in the common law jurisdictions? Thanks, Yoshi. For
2: the common law jurisdictions, the themes in respect of the downside or disadvantages of reporting are quite similar to what you have just described. So, generally, the main downside of reporting is that the informant does not have control of the criminal investigation and may sometimes lose control in terms of the pace and the extent of the investigation. In some cases, the authorities may be willing to share periodic updates, but it is completely in their discretion to do so. The loss of control may sometimes lead to the revelation of certain matters that may create risk for the informant. Um, the authorities may also require delivery up of documents and in exceptional cases, they may you know, seize documents as well. It is therefore key before any report is made, if feasible, to ensure that one has his own house in order.
0: Thank you, Celeste, for the overview. Now it seems that such a practical advantage and the downside would be quite common between common law and civil law jurisdictions, No so much difference exists. So we are always cautious about those positive side and downside. Before finishing in the session, could you provide your thoughts about reporting obligations under the anti-money laundering regulations? Uh, if we are hit by cyber fraud and send money to a fraudster, are we required to report to government authority about the incident?
2: So on the anti-money laundering aspect, many of the Asia-Pacific jurisdictions, they do have mandatory reporting obligations pursuant to the anti-money laundering legislations and regulations. Although in certain jurisdictions, the mandatory reporting obligations only apply to certain institutions rather than everybody. For others, um, there is imposed on every person or entity a mandatory reporting obligation if there is knowledge or grounds to suspect that certain property is connected with a predicate offence under the relevant AML legislation. In most cases, failure to report constitutes an offence um, and will attract criminal or administrative penalties and sanctions. So let's look at some countries. So In Indonesia, for example, there is a reporting obligation for financial institutions in respect of criminal offences relating to money laundering, failing which the financial institutions will be subject to administrative sanctions. In Philippines, for financial-related crimes, the Anti-Money Laundering Act requires certain prescribed institutions such as banks, trust entities, insurance companies, securities dealers, foreign exchange corporations, etc. to report to the Anti-Money Laundering Council. The law also provides for sanctions and penalties for failure to report. In Taiwan, the Money Laundering Control Act of Taiwan imposes a legal obligation on certain financial institutions, certified professionals and certain industries to report an economic crime involving money laundering misconduct. Similarly, in Japan, financial institutions and certain licensed professionals are obliged to report to the financial supervisory agency concerning questionable transactions involving money laundering. By contrast, under the Singapore anti-money laundering legislation, the reporting obligation is imposed on any person, save for very limited carves out for external or internal legal counsel and arbitrators, but in respect of prescribed predicate offences. In Singapore, therefore, there is a mandatory duty and obligation to file a suspicious transaction report if a person knows or has reasonable grounds to suspect that any property is connected with one of the predicate offences, which include misappropriation. Hong Kong has anti-money laundering reporting obligations under its Organized and Serious Crimes Ordinance 2. The key takeaway is that if a company should come across any property or matter which could be linked to criminal conduct, it should be mindful of the AML aspects and consider if any relevant AML obligations arise. Other than reporting obligations, there may also be prohibitions against further dealing with such property and tipping off. As any anti-money laundering is becoming a fairly key area of focus globally, many jurisdictions are strengthening their AML laws and fines and penalties for breach are increasing.
0: Thank you, Celeste, for sharing your insights so if your organization is unfortunately involved in the cyber fraud you may want to take the steps as we mentioned uh, in this episode such as uh, whether you are legally required to report the incident to the authority or whether you have uh, any practical advantage or downside for reporting to that to the authority and also whether you are required to make an anti-money laundering report to the relevant authority Besides, you are going to investigate a case and chase the money but you already have to attend to the issues of handling the regulatory aspects. Thank you for listening to the session concerning the issues around communications with police and authorities. The next episode will be Managing Business Compliance Issues in the New Normal, where we look into various compliance issues and disciplinary actions stemming from the outlined scenario. Stay tuned for our Asia Pacific Risk and Crisis Management podcast series.